Hello and welcome to the B2B Nation, where each week we bring you new conversations with leaders in the B2B sales and marketing worlds. I'm Jordan Schneider, filling in for Chris Kleinfelter. In today's episode, I get to sit down and talk to Michael Brenner, CEO of the Marketing Insider Group and author of The Content Formula, Did You Know?, that he was also the first head of content marketing at SAP. I didn't know that either, but it's one of many things that I learned today in my interview with Michael Brenner. Um, We're gonna get right into it here. I hope you guys enjoy it. Michael Brenner, thanks so much for talking to me today, sir. Thanks, it's great to be here. To start out, I was hoping that you could uh, introduce yourself a little bit more to the audience here and tell us a little more about your background with uh, Marketing Insider Group. Yeah, sure. So Marketing Insider Group is my new company. I just started uh, officially in January of this year. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a fun and wild ride. I, I, I love my boss. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's been a lot of fun. Um, and essentially, our, um, our goal is to help uh, companies of all sizes reach, engage, and convert new customers to their business using, you know, essentially the, the, the core components of content marketing and, and trying to, uh, to help uh, companies overcome the challenges and achieve the, the objectives that content marketing, I think, can, can provide um, companies of, you know, like I said, all sizes. Um, prior to that, I was the head of strategy for a content marketing technology company called Newsprint. Um, and uh, and prior to that, uh, spent seven oh, seven and a half years at SAP. It was their first head of digital marketing, their first head of content marketing. Um, you know, and, and in that role, realized looking back in my career that I was essentially a content marketer. I think for for most of my career, having learned pretty early on that uh, you know starting my career in sales, that when you focus on helping people, uh, you sell more stuff as opposed to trying to push products. And and so. Um, you know, that's been kind of, I guess, in, you know, make a long story short, uh, brief history of my career. Very cool. All right. So a lot of history in content marketing then. So I, I've always been curious about this. Why do you think content marketing is getting such a, I guess, a reputation today for something that seems to have been around for quite a long time? It, it seems like it just got branded as content marketing. It just received this name and now it seems to be being widely adopted. So what, what do you think sparked that or what in your experience kind of led to that being or that wide adoption? Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and Joe Polizzi, founder of the Content Marketing Institute, I think gets a lot of credit for putting, um, you know, I think a lot of meat on the bone around, you know, the definition and clarity around what content marketing is. But, but as you said, I think it's something that we've been doing for a long time, if not forever. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the, the historical context is simply, you know, what, what's the other option? And, and so, uh, you know, I talk about when I give public presentations about how marketing has a marketing problem. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, marketing for a long time was, you know, simply companies trying to help their customers to solve a business challenge and to communicate the benefits of solving that challenge and, and then hoping to earn uh, their audience's trust that they would come and consider their products when they're when they're ready to purchase. You know, I think it's kind of the Mad Men era, um, the era of mass media, you know, sort of forced this, I think, negative reputation onto marketers as being, you know, sort of snake oil salesmen. Um, and, and, you know, I've talked in, in, in the past about the history of, of why marketing has this, you know, this 
perception by you know the the general public and and even non-marketing business folks that that marketing is trying to trick people into doing something they wouldn't have normally done. And so, you know, as we move beyond the era of mass media into digital, you know, into the digital world we all now live in and all the content consumption and all the content creation that we're all doing as consumers, what's happened is, you know, we no longer are willing to put up with interruptions to the content experiences that we all want. And so it's put a lot of pressure, I think, on traditional mass media marketing, you know, reach and frequency, uh, you know, approaches. And so... You know, unless you're a brand that can afford, you know, Super Bowl ad, uh, you know, and even when you do that, it better be a good one. Um, then, you know, I think content marketing has emerged as as, as this uh, viable approach to reaching, engaging, and converting an audience because um, you're focused on delivering customer value, not just on selfish promotion and interruption of, you know, the content experiences that we're all consuming. So I think... You know, again, it's been around forever, uh, you know, thanks to Joe and the Content Marketing Institute for everything they've done to, uh, you know, to, to clarify what it is and, and what the benefits are. And now I think we're seeing companies, you know, following, simply following the data. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit more, but, you know, it simply works. And that's why I think you're seeing this, this huge trend uh, and the rapid adoption of content marketing. Absolutely. Um yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You hear a, you hear about a lot of success stories with content marketing, but I think simultaneously you hear about a lot of people who have failed with a content marketing strategy to begin with. Maybe it wasn't even, I mean, strategy might be too bold of a term to call what some people do um, with this idea of content marketing. A lot of people end up failing with it at first um, and not getting it right until they've tried it a few times. Uh, but I think with so many people participating in content marketing today or adopting it as a strategy for their brand, uh, there's a lot of content out there, right? I mean, there's a lot of noise. Um, so what do you see as the biggest opportunities for brands to kind of improve, improve the quality of their content and rise above that noise and kind of stand out? Yeah, this is a big question that's been coming up a lot. And, and you know, Mark Schaefer's done a great job of defining the thing he's called content shock, which, uh, you know, which is essentially um, the notion that, uh, you know, we've moved beyond the point where we as a society can, can, can consume, uh, you know, all of the information that's out there. And, you know, Jomo has this great uh, infographic on every second on the Internet, and they update it every year, and it talks about, um, you know, one of my favorite stats is that uh, every minute, on the internet, there's um, days worth of video being uploaded on YouTube. Wow. And so it, you know, it literally is more content than any individual or any society could consume. And so we've essentially the economics of that are that uh, the more we create, the less likely it is that that, you know, individual piece of content is going to connect with an audience. And so there's some economic implications in that. However, um, the, the flip side of it is that as a society, we are consuming massive amounts of content every single day. We are increasing the amount of content we consume. If you look at the younger generations, they're spending more time on their devices. They're consuming more, especially visual content. One of the key trends that I see, um, you know, something brands are going to have to focus on going forward. But there is still an opportunity. And, and you know, I talk to CEOs that are, you know, sort of non-marketers. And, and you know, I kind of, I try to leave the, the marketing uh, speak behind. And I say, you have a choice, and the choice for your company is that you can solve the problems. You can become an expert 
and an authority and communicate that expertise and authority to the audience that you're trying to reach. Or you can try to interrupt their content experiences with ads. And, and you know, every single individual choice that they make, uh, you know, is either building a content brand, building that authority and that expertise, or essentially throwing, you know, money into the wind and hoping that it sticks. And so um, I think the opportunity really, you know, facing CEOs and boards and CMOs and marketers overall is are you sharing your expertise consistently with with your audience, helping them? You know, Leah Burnett said this you know, almost 100 years ago, that if you help your customers, you help your business. And, and it's really that simple. And so I don't think, you know, any brand has a choice. Now, there are some things we can get into about how we can specifically break through the noise, but I think it comes down to the simple commitment to answering customer questions to being that authority and sharing that expertise. Right. It's that genuine commitment up front, and then kind of everything else just follows that. Exactly. Um, so good. So I think a lot of the pushback that I've even experienced myself, and I'm sure you've experienced in the past too, is every executive wants to know what the ROI is going to be, right? So while what we just discussed is very altruistic in nature, and I'm sure it does add a lot of value um, to any given audience, and I, you know we've all seen it work in different ways, how do you have that conversation about ROI with an executive when somebody asks you, hey, what are some of the ways that content marketing today is generating ROI for companies out there who are adopting it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I wrote a book about this um, called the content formula co-authored with um, the former news card colleague, Liz Bedore, because this question and this challenge comes up um, in almost every content marketing conversation I've had with senior executives, especially. And, and the, the simplest way that I answer that question is with a little bit of a push pushback. And I start by, you know, simply saying, I think it comes down to a choice. And, and so, you know, if it's a CMO or a senior marketer, I ask them, what's the ROI of your marketing overall? Um, because the, the content marketing ROI question has to be put in that context. And, you know, a lot of times you get a blank stare because a lot of CMOs simply don't know what the ROI of their marketing overall is. Um, but even if you look at it at a programmatic or a tactical level, you know, the choice is, I think, pretty clear. Um, you know, there is no long-term value to an ad. Um, like unless you're, you know, um, Apple's 1984, probably the greatest ad ever created, you know, considered by most people the greatest ad. Um, there's not a lot of, of equity that you can prove in any way on a short-term advertising campaign. And so, yeah, maybe you can show a short-term sales bump, but you paid to get that bump. And if you want to get another bump, you've got to pay again. Content marketing, on the other hand, and, and again, this is it, it, the, the answer to the question is, about the choice. And content marketing programs are digital assets that have value that grows over time. And what I mean by that is, essentially, the brands that are doing content marketing well, they focus on a digital destination where they're sharing their expertise and authority, like we talked about. They're answering customer questions. They're doing it consistently. And, you know, the, the stats and the facts and, and all of the research shows that when you commit to a, to a content marketing platform, building a content brand, as Joe Blitzy calls it, um, the, the, it, it's like your 401k. It's like a retirement account, right? If you throw 100 bucks into your retirement account every single month, after a few months, it might not look like much. But if you do that for three or four years, um, you start to see the dramatic impact of that regular commitment and investment. And content marketing is the same way. And content marketing also 
starts to see, you start to see when you track the results, you start to see compounding interest. You start to see compounding rates of return. And, and I'll give you a quick example. If you publish an article, let's say two or three times a week, and you do that for 52 weeks, what happens is that the, there's, an, there's an accelerating increase. The reason for that is that the, the first article you publish is still getting page views, you know, let's say a year later. It may not be a ton, but it's, getting, it's, getting, um, it's gaining reach and engagement to an audience. And so there's a return effect, a compounding effect that happens with content marketing platforms. And so even if you stop investing, if you just make a short amount of, of uh, you know, or a medium-term commitment to producing regular amounts of helpful content, you start to see those results continue to approve to the brand, something you don't see with advertising campaigns, where you're paying to access an audience. And so you're attracting an audience that continues over time, even if you stop investing. That's why content marketing provides a return. And, and that return comes in the form, if you've got the right you know, platform set up, it comes in the form of, of leads and subscribers and conversions and sales that you can track. And so the other way that I answer it is that every brand I've ever worked with and every brand that's ever talked about content marketing ROI that has committed to looking for it has found it. And in every case, their return on investment in content marketing isn't 10 or 20 or 40% higher than their other marketing investment choices. It's 100, 300, 400% higher return on content marketing than other marketing investment choices. And so, you know, again, there's a couple of different ways you can answer it, and we go into, you know, into detail in the book. But, uh, but that's the bottom line. It comes down to the choice, and, and overall content marketing provides a compounding rate of return versus other kinds of marketing activities that are generally short-term. Yeah. And I, I mean, it takes a lot of patience to write, to grow a really good content marketing strategy. I, I would assume one of the biggest factors in that compounding rate of return is loyalty too, or advocacy. I mean, if, if you've got, it's the best marketing there is, right? If people are saying nice things about you and your brand, it's just, it's free marketing. And that's so powerful coming from somebody who isn't being paid to say it. Well, exactly. You know, we will trust, uh, you know, we trust information from, you know, from sites that appear to be an authority. But, you know, I, I think Robert Rose from the Content Marketing Institute has a great line that content marketing is a commitment, not a campaign. And so, you know, and, and another sort of stat I'll bring in, you know, Google Zero Moment of Truth research shows that, that on average it takes about 11 pieces of content, um, and in some cases 20, you know, depending on the complexity of the purchase, um, 11 to 20 pieces of content to get someone to actually consider your business and to make a purchase decision. So, you know, any individual piece of content may not show a return. It's that consistency, it's that commitment, that regular, you know, uh, uh, publication of, of helpful content that really creates the, the impact over time. Yeah. Yeah. So a little tough to measure sometimes, but I don't think that's new to any marketer, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, you know, it, it, requires the commitment that I mentioned. Um, but I don't think it's, 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 well, one way to put it is content marketing programs, digital marketing programs overall are infinitely more measurable than let's say an ad campaign, right? So, you know, if you look at any advertising research, it's always like, Hey, we did a pre post and we did an AB test. And what we found is that people that we think were exposed to our advertising messages, you know, appeared to show a short term bump in their, you know, purchase behavior we think is attributable to the ad. It may have been attributable to the fact that there was, you know, a tropical storm in the Atlantic or the fact that, you know, um, something else was going on in the world, but, but we actually think it was the ad campaign. 
you know, so there's sort of this leap of faith that happens, I think, in, in any other kind of marketing activity. With content marketing and digital marketing programs overall, you can track and measure every single thing that you do. And if, as long as you're mapping content to the buyer journey, you can show how someone is exposed to your brand for the first time on a digital platform with content marketing. And that person then goes on to register for a webinar, and that person then goes on to call a salesperson or contact um, you know, you through, through your website. So it's infinitely more trackable at least than other marketing activities. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a fair point. Well, um, so how do you see, I'm curious to get your take on this. How do you see content marketing evolving in the next five to 10 years from what it is today? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, well, first of all, I think it's, it's going to be ubiquitous. It's going to be, um, it's, it's, it's mandatory for companies. Uh, I don't think that, that, you know, we see it as a choice today. You know, should I do an ad? Should I put our logo on a stadium or a golfer's hat? Or should I do content marketing? Um, and I think what's going to happen is every single brand is going to be doing it because they have to. Uh, it's the only way to, to truly reach the audience you're trying to reach with, you know, authentic, helpful, customer-focused content. So that's number one. It's going to become ubiquitous. It's not today. Um, it's still being challenged um, by, I think, that traditional campaign-based mindset that exists inside a lot of marketers' heads. Um, but as we go forward, talking about that sort of, uh, um, you know, information overload, content shock uh, thing that I mentioned from Mark Schaefer, I think it's going to force brands who are now publishing content, let's say more generally, to really focus, and I call this specialization, it's my first sort of key trend for 2017 and, and going forward, is that brands are really going to focus on a niche they can own. They're going to have to focus in on something that that reflects, you know, in many ways, probably the founding story of their company or the mission that they're trying to accomplish in the world, the impact they're trying to create in the world, that goes well beyond the product that they sell. So that's number one, uh, is really the sort of focus on a niche that they can truly become a premier authority or, or premier destination for from a, from a uh, perspective of, of, of authority and expertise. Good. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, are you going to, you're going to content marketing world, correct? Absolutely. Awesome. So what are, what are you looking forward to there? I mean, obviously that's, that's grown leaps and bounds since it started. I, I just talked to Joe last week. Actually, he was telling me that there's going to be, they expect there to be about 4,000 attendees, which is just mind blowing. Um, but yeah. what, what are you looking forward to most? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm a little bit of a Star Wars geek. So Mark Hamill, obviously, uh, is, is, you know, he's the keynote, uh, <laughs> one of the big draws, I think for the, um, for the show overall and, and really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. I'm, I'm I'm currently in the process of trying to write a post on kind of tying in Mark Hamill and, you know, the Star Wars saga into, you know, into uh, how it relates to content marketing. Um, so that's number one. You know, number two, I've, I've really been fascinated by the, by the large brands that have shown up and told their story over the last few years. And so three years ago, we had Julie Fleischer, um, sorry, two years ago, we had Julie Fleischer from Kraft to talk about how content marketing was four times more effective than even their targeted digital marketing programs, four times more effective. Um, so that was really powerful. Um, last year, we had David Beebe from Marriott tell an amazing story about how they're focusing, you know, almost to my point about the future of content marketing, focusing in on something that relates back to their corporate story, their founding um, sort of father's, uh, you know, mission in the world to, to kind of deliver hospitality in a, in a, 
a real, you know, sort of uh, family friendly environment in, you know, with the travelers that they meet um, in their content marketing. And this year we've got Stephanie Losey, uh, who's a good friend of mine and now head of content over at Visa. So I'm really looking forward to hearing her story about the, the, the journey that they're taking with Visa. Um, the third thing, and I'm a little bit of a social scientist when it comes to this, and, and you know, I learned in, in college social sociology is, is like when you go to a football game, instead of watching the game, you're watching the audience. You're watching the fans in the stadium. And so I'm a little bit like that when I go to content marketing world. I'm fascinated by the changes that have taken place. I think this is my fourth content marketing world. And I'm fascinated by the changes that have taken place in the demographics of the folks that are coming. Um, you know, to me, it's not as interesting about, I mean, and I'm really happy for Joe that they're seeing, you know, the size of the audience. But for me, it's the makeup. Uh, and, and so, you know, one, I love to see young people coming, you know, er, people just out of school, people early in their careers, young professionals um, who are who are taking on the mantle of content marketing and, and are going to be the next generation of, of, of marketing leaders. Number two, I love seeing the number, you know, something we didn't see a lot of in the first few years of truly senior marketers showing up and trying to understand how do they become leaders in the content marketing space uh, and lead their brands, lead their companies. Um, and in creating marketing as a strategic asset for their companies. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, and then the third, you know, from a kind of demographic perspective, is just, you know, the number of people that come internationally is just amazing to me. You know, you've got B2B and B2C. You've got nonprofits. You've got, um, you know, uh, I, I don't remember the number of countries that uh, that showed up last year, but just an amazing amount of international folks that come and, and are trying to get educated. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the mix of the audience changes this year. Yeah, absolutely. And to go back to the first part of your answer there, I'm right there with you. I'm being a Star Wars geek. Mark Hamill is, I'm so excited to see that. And it's, it's so interesting to me. They do a great job of blending entertainment and education, you know? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's all about, you know, I, I mean, eventually, essentially content marketing is about great storytelling and, yeah. Storytelling is, is not, it's not a muscle that brands have uh, really, you know, worked very hard in the past. I mean, you know, I think, get back to Mad Men, where we all started this conversation, you know, you used to just go hire an agency who had the quote-unquote creative people um, to come up with a story that they thought would resonate. And now storytelling is something that, you know, we all publish content, right? We, we all, you know, throw stuff up on Facebook and Snapchat and you know, whatever channel that we, we like to use because we are now all content creators and, and that muscle just isn't really, uh, you know, as developed as it could be inside companies. And so I think, you know, Mark Hamill's a great example of why storytelling and, and you know, uh, looking at, 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 you know, movie development and story development and, and you know, we had um, Kevin Spacey two years ago. I mean, you know, it's just an amazing amount of, of overlap, I think, between the, the components of a great story and the components of effective content marketing. Yeah. Well, I know we're all really looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully we see you out there too. Um, but Absolutely. Bef- yeah. before we sign off person. here, um, can, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit more about where you can uh, learn more or go find out more about marketing insider group? Yeah. So marketing insider is the company website. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn and, and, uh, um, I'm a, a massive uh, advocate for Twitter, so uh, at Brenner Michael is the Twitter handle, and uh, would love to hear from anybody who's interested in learning more about content marketing. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for talking to me today, Michael. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. 
All right, so that concludes our interview with Michael Brenner of the Marketing Insider Group. Today's episode was produced at the Technology Advice Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more about B2B Nation, check out our website, technologyadvice.com. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Thank you.